You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three select answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the Good morning, it's Annie here for Showreel, and yes, I am live. I wasn't live last week because I went to see a fantastic film called The Good Boss. It's got Xavier uh, Bandaneris, and if uh, you are um, socialist in thought and process, it, this is just the most remarkably, beautifully put-together expose of uh, that sort of a boss who uh, appears to be a nice guy. But uh, draw back the sheets and uh, you'll see the political molestorm underneath. Fantastic film. But today we're going to focus on an Australian film, which is what we do on Showreel, uh, which is also a fantastic film. It's called River and it's uh, another one in um, Jen Pedder's um, uh, look at uh, the natural world. Uh, it's... Uh, a fantastic look at the uh, role rivers play in the ecology of uh, the world as well as in uh, human psychology. Uh, It's uh, got a soundtrack with uh, Daniel uh, Defoe doing um, the script and it's got a beautiful, beautiful soundtrack uh, of... uh, combination of uh, old um, classical music and uh, pieces that have been put together. Uh, Anyway, we'll hear all about it. Uh, First up, we'll hear the beginnings of my chat with Jen Pedder. Uh, Great film. Uh, Tell me about how this film uh, came about as a project. Well, um, River really came about... River's a sequel to um, to Mountain, which was um, a few years back, um, a mountain began life as a commission from the Australian Chamber Orchestra. So it's actually the, the sequel to Mountain, if you like. Um, and, um, you know, after the kind of unexpected and sort of amazing success of Mountain, which ended up screening in about 26 countries and, and, and did all sorts of amazing things at the box office, both here and overseas, um, you know, the sort of creative team... Um, got together again and said, you know, what what should we do next? Because uh, it feels like this style of filmmaking has has found a way of connecting to audiences and has something to say. And all of us, very much as us, had something to say about the state of the planet and 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 what is going on, and, and most specifically in this case, the the health of the world's rivers. Um, and so we decided that you know now was the time to to say something um, about that and um, 
and it's very clear to all of us that the you know the rivers are far more vulnerable to our harm than the mountains are. Um, and so this was um, a film that um, that wanted to speak to those ideas and explore the the nature of um, our responsibility to rivers and our and to the generations that that coming after us. Before we get on to that. There's an element of this type of filmmaking which is quite similar to that very early uh, um, period of filmmaking where people made films about cities, you know, from the beginning of the the day right through. It was a way of using film in a completely different way. Do, do you get my drift? As opposed to creating a drama uh, per se. Yeah, I mean, these... these... The sort of suite of films that we're making, um, Mountain and our, and our River and possibly a sequel uh, in the trilogy, um, they probably have quite a lot in common with films like Baraka or Koyana Skatsi um, in the sense that, you know, there are no human characters, there are no speaking parts, if you like, um, that it is really as global as the relationship between rivers and humanity. So it takes a very kind of global look at um, um, at the planet in, in many ways. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. I mean, because what I was really getting at is uh, there's different parts to this film uh, in the sense that there's a whole, se- whole sequences where the camera is quite a long way away. Uh, looking at the uh, the shapes and the uh, development, yeah, yeah. Do you know, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, then no, it brings I, you in. That's right. Well, I think I mean one of the things that I've worked a lot myself as a camera operator, but also worked in a lot of films in the mountains. Um, and and to really you know look at mountains, you need to kind of be on them. But rivers are, are really different and the stories of rivers is so well told from above. And so one of the things that we really deployed in the making of this film was a lot of drone cinematography. I mean, there are moments where you're down there in the river, um, but a lot of the movie is, is looked at from above. So, uh, you know, in the, in the last few years since we made the last film, the the technology of that those drones, but also the, the skill of the drone operators themselves has taken a massive leap. So we were able just to access and, and then commission um, work that really um, took advantage of that. Um, and, and then even further, so we have the drone cinematography that looks down and, and kind of shows you this different perspective. You know, you see these incredible patterns in nature that, you know, the branches of a dried out riverbed really look like the veins and, and the branches of a tree or or even of a leaf. Um, and so you kind of get this new perspective on rivers. But also we went even one step further and, and worked with uh, the NASA um, the NASA Library and Archive, um, which is freely available. It take a lot of time to find out, you know, the positions of cameras and how, how best to, to access the imagery that you want, but the stories told even at that planetary level, the stories of rivers is, is just totally different again because you can see the whole story from source to sea. Um, and so that was um, something very different to, to what we've done in Mountain. We really kind of, we went much higher and more, and more global. It's amazing, isn't it? I, and that thing that you point out about that, it was really shocking to see how exactly 
um, a river system looks like a tree. Mm, I know. They're, they're amazing shots. And when you first look at them, it's very hard to understand even quite what you're looking at um, and the scale of it. Um, but and, and in many ways, those those pieces or those images, they, they could be works of art. Um, yeah. And at one stage, I think the narration speaks to the idea that the, the rivers paint across landscapes because they really do and the, the patterns that they form um, are, you know, are, are extraordinary and, and then when they dry out they do something else altogether. So it's, um, it's a really interesting way. It's all about shifting perspectives with this kind of filmmaking and, and, and giving the audience an opportunity to look at the world in a way that they've never really looked at it before and I think that's, that's the strength of it. it. It gives you this encounter with nature, but it gives you a perspective that you hadn't seen or hadn't contemplated before. And it allows allows you to just sit and immerse yourself in that um, with this extraordinary soundtrack um, and, and hopefully this provocative um, narration that just helps you interpret and understand what it is that you're, you're seeing. Um, and, you know, and, and that's just a joy because, to listen to Willem Dafoe, I could just do that all day myself. <laughs> well, there, of course, it comes into this intimate uh, dance that's being played between nature and human culture, and mm. that is represented uh, beautifully by the dialogue and his tonal voice, his voice, but also the music. The music's extraordinarily well chosen. In fact, it, it's almost like the water itself because it's – I. Uh, I almost forgot that it's more than one piece of music. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting because it's quite a diverse score and, um, you know, impossible to separate from this particular film and Mountain before it is, is the fact that it's a collaboration with the Australian Chamber Orchestra who are, you know, one of the greatest chamber orchestras in the world. You know, the, their skill, they're, you know, a highly skilled group of musicians that have worked together for a long time um, and they're really good at what they do and the quality of the, the performance just elevates it. But Richard Tongeli himself, who's the artistic director of the Australian Chamber Orchestra, of course, he um, is one of the composers on the film and also the film's musical director. So he had a lot to do with the choosing of those works, um, the arranging of those works if we needed to, to mould them to picture or et cetera, and, and then also in the composing of some of the new works. Part of that uh, description of human culture was quite fascinating because, of course, we in, a, in Australia are dealing with the Barker and the uh, terrible uh, um, effects on that river and how the Indigenous people are talking about how that river is their breath. And you bring that up. Uh, that's part of the discussion in this. Not, not so much the Barker per se, but human connection to river. Yeah, well, it's it, it, it's it's the same across the world in Indigenous cultures that they've long known what we're slowly remembering, if you like, that, you know, if you look after the river, the river will look after you. Um, and they have long campaigned to protect the river systems um, and they, they see them and perceive them in a different way um, and, and a very important way. Um, to, you know, I mean, the worship of water is a given to millions of people around the world. Um, and I think we all, I think those of us that don't live in such close connection to rivers, we don't see it 
uh, on an everyday basis, like so many of the people that you do see in the film who who their lives take place in and around the, the river. Um, but to so many of us still, you know, the idea of a river is that it can heal and console and purge and, and for many cultures it, wash away, it washes away sin and it purifies the dead. Um, and to so many it is, it is a way of life. Um, and so rivers mean different things to different people depending on where you live and what your culture is. But the, the Indigenous connection, when I say Indigenous, I do mean Indigenous um, First Nations people all around the planet um, are the ones that seem to have always known this and always remembered just how important the health of a river is to, um, to the health of, of the people um, in, you know, and all of us. Um, because, of course, none of us can live without fresh water, but it's so much more than just access to fresh water, um, and that's partly what the film explores. Um, so how did you, Mel, work all this together? Because it's it's got various strands, like there's the uh, visuals, there's the sound, uh, there's the voice, and then, of course, there's the actual uh, script, in a sense, you know, the drama of it. Yeah. Look, it's just, I mean, look, the answer is many, many, many months. Um, we, we, I mean, I, I can't remember how long we spent in the edit for this, but it would have been at least six months with three or four of us just in a room every single day and, and Richard and the other composers coming in and out at various stages um, and, and us communicating all over the world to the cinematographers that we were working with because we could no longer leave the country. Um, so we had to access them all remotely. And um, that's, that's part of the job of directing. Um, in documentary, often the, the writer is also the director, and that's the case with me. But in this case, I also had um, um, the, the amazing author, um, Robert McFarland, who, who is responsible for the actual words. Um, together we write the film. There's so much more to writing a film than the words of the narration itself because it's all about, as you said, structuring the drama, figuring out, you know, what is the beginning of the story? Where are we, yeah, where are we, what journey are we taking the audience on and how do we want to see them transformed by this journey? Um, and and then together we we sort of crafted the words and and the music, um, look, it's a lot of give and take. It's a lot of trial and error. It's, um, um, you know, it's working with different pieces of music. It's, the, the editor has a crucial role in this in this project like this, um, our amazing editor Simon Yo, you know, was really an important part of the creative team, and and it's just it's just trying those things out and 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 then testing them um, and running them by the composers. In some cases, we would place music um, that that already existed, you know, the, some of the big classical works like Bach that are in the film, Vivaldi. Um, uh, Ravel, for example, and, and they would just fit immediately and everyone would go, great, perfect. In other cases, Richard would say, look, I want to try this or I'd rather try that. And, you know, so we would then need to re-edit to work with that piece of music. And then in other cases, we would have a scene that was really tightly edited to a piece of what we call temp score and he would then, he or one of the other composers would come in and then write the score to picture, which is more the normal way of working with a composer, film composer. Um, so we work both ways in this case because music is such a critical part of the creative um, 
I mean, music is always important in film, um, and not to say it's in all films, but um, it's just a whole lot more important than this because coming back to the beginning, it, it is also for live performance. It is also designed as a concert, um, which will later, I think next year, be toured by the Australian Chamber Orchestra. But when you step into this film, it is like stepping into a concert as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So are you going to do that thing where they play the film at the same time in with a live score? Is that... Yes, that, that, yeah, that, that happened with Mountain. It toured nationally mm -hmm. and it will happen with River. Um, I believe it's premiering at the Barbican later this year in the UK, in London, and then next oh, year the Australian Chamber Orchestra will tour it. That's such a 70s, 80s things to do. <laughs> <laughs> very retro. Yeah, yeah. very retro. It's very rare to have a film specifically made for that purpose. That's probably the difference here. And, and in the case of Mountain and River, that, that was always the intention. FreeCR's Trans Day of Audibility is airing seven hours of trans and gender diverse radio in the lead up to the 2022 Trans Day of Visibility. Tune in on Sunday the 27th of March between 12 noon and 7pm to hear trans and gender diverse voices bring the noise to the Western gender binary. We'll be bringing you shows covering art, culture, politics and everyday transgender lives towards a transgender day of audibility. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au slash transdayofaudibility2022. You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel and before we go to the last part of my chat with director, filmmaker Jen Pedder about her film River, I'll have to let you know that if you call us on 94198377, I've got a couple of double passes. River is um, starting tonight. Uh, but obviously later on it's got some grander uh, outings with uh, a live score, uh, 94198377. Uh, um, there's a couple of other things I should tell you about. Uh, there's a film called Gita, which is going to have a big sc a screening at the Asta on March the 30th. It's on at 7 o'clock. You can go to astatheatre.net, um, dot au and you can get tickets. It's... Um, it's a film about a, a mother's heartfelt attempt to support herself and her daughter after an acid attack. It starts in Kashmir but uh, ends in Australia. And um, it's uh, an important film, a big, a big film. It took seven years to make. Um, it's uh, it's highlighting the issue of uh, domestic violence and also the... Uh, the fight back uh, that uh, people who are uh, um, uh, anyway, it's, it's actually an ex extraordinary sort of a film. Um, if you want to hear more about it, you should actually go to the podcast for uh, Thursday breakfast today, um, where they spoke to the director Emma Macy Scorch Storch about it. Um, it's uh, it's a um, important film that uh, is available for you to go and see in amongst others on uh, at the Astor on uh, March the 30th and they're doing um, uh, taking bookings right now so we'll continue with our uh, chat with uh, Jen Petter and uh, we'll finish up with a piece of the music the music is just the thing from River that is so amazing, as well as the visuals.
Oh, it's fantastic. Um, it must have taken a very long time to do all this. Yep, yep, yep. Films, films are, are hard things to make. It's not a couple of weeks. It's, it's, you know, we would have been working on this for at least a year. Yeah. Did you feel like you? Um, I mean, I found it really. Uh, it's quite an emotional film. I mean, it's it's uh, mm. and, and it's sort of almost a birthing arrangement going on. Did you feel like you changed making this film? Yeah, you always do. Yeah, you. I mean, and, and necessarily so. I think that's one of the beautiful things about being a filmmaker is that, um, you know, they're, they're tough things to make, but um, I think if there's an openness and a willingness, um, you're also changed by the work and the process of, of making the film. Uh, obviously, you learn a whole lot every single time, and, and I learned a lot. There was, I was kind of shocked at how little I knew about so many of the things that, that we deal with in the film, um, dams being one of them, you know, the importance of um, being one of them, the fact that, you know, that some of these dams, the biggest dams have had a measurable impact on the rotation of the earth, um, which is an extraordinary fact and, and just the implications of, of damming, which is something that is, you know, increasing all around the world. And, and you would think at first glance that it's a great generator of clean power, but um, there is uh, a lot that is wrong with dams. And there's a wonderful line in the film that says that um, that that, that uh, dams actually do the unthinkable. They actually drown rivers. Um, and, you know, I was really uh, amazed at, at, you know, what I learned um, about all of that that I just really hadn't comprehended before. No, no, um, I didn't know I, that either. I, and I, I tell you, I, I found it incredibly uh, amazing that sequence where the where the dam was actually wall was actually blown away. Yeah, yes, that's right. So I think in the United States, a number of dams. I mean, I think people are beginning to recognise the damage of dams, and if these dams are no longer functioning, <coughs> they um, they are starting to bring them down. And what they're finding is that the the ecosystem of the river replenish itself and heals itself um, far quicker than anyone could possibly imagine, you know, and the fish are returning God knows how or from where, but quicker than anyone could imagine. So they have an extraordinary capacity to heal themselves if, if we let them, which is, and that's where the hope lies, you know, that, I mean, we have kind of reached a, a tipping point where obviously the scale of let's call it the human project, has really begun to overwhelm the world's rivers. Um, but it is not, it's not too late to, to, to turn things around. Well, that's what the film really uh, sort of signifies in a way because uh, that 20th century belief uh, in the... Uh, and it was a very positive belief that technology uh, was the answer to all, uh, all difficulties and it was all positive everything was positive uh, and that's where dams fitted in that was part of the positive uh, move for uh, human development as it were it's it's a more yeah. complicated issue really that's what this film is showing yeah. yes that's right it, it shows the the unintended consequence i guess of that and those massive infrastructure projects and the fact that we will we will pipe water across countries to make deserts bloom 
um, you know, in cities like Las Vegas that should never have golf courses and, you know, water fountains in them um, and, you know, are literally home to millions of people, um, but they're living in the middle of a desert. Um, and some of the space cinematography and time lapses that we were able to create, um, the time lapses we were able to create from this NASA photography really shows the impact of things like the Hoover Dam and, and just how much water is being drawn on by those sort of communities in the desert and the, and the misuse of water. Yeah, it's human hubris. Mm. Mm. Anyway, great film and uh, thank you very much for speaking with me. It's a great pleasure. Thank, thank you, you very much. Bye.
You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, the voice of the community. 3CR Community Radio, giving the voice to the community since 1976. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.